This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tech Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, October 31st, 2018, and my guest is no other than Ricky Villacres of GSM Arena. Hi, Ricky. How are you? How's it going, Miriam? Great to have me here. It's uh, really awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. So it's been kind of a crazy week. I just saw you in New York City. We're back at our respective homes because OnePlus. Because OnePlus and countless other events that happened throughout the month. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've seen each other a few times. Um, (laughs) The big news this week, obviously, and we're going to cover all of it, is the OnePlus 6T announced and more importantly, what's great about this phone is that it's available on a U.S. carrier for the first time. Uh, so that let's talk about that in depth. And then, uh, and I have a unit, and I know that Ricky doesn't, but Ricky was there and did, you know, uh, play with it, etc. And then uh, Apple did a whole bunch of stuff the next day. I wasn't there for that, but there's some really interesting things we should talk about there. And then I want to also talk about this other phone that has been hyped to death, right? Ricky, what is that? That's the red hydrogen. Is it called the hydrogen one? One, yeah. Red okay, hydrogen yeah. <laughs> one. No, that's cool. I mean, everybody knows this red only has really one phone at this point. And uh, it's a bit of a disaster. So it's very rare that uh, reviewers have to give a phone like a two or three out of 10. And this is one of those situations. So oof. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's get started. I, I think that... Uh, uh, I want I want a few initial thoughts. Like you were at the event, you and I kind of I like the fact that in fact you didn't get a review unit in advance because you really kind of had raw feelings about it when you got there and got to play with it. So, what are your thoughts on the OnePlus sixteen? You know, knowing all the history of OnePlus. So my first impression was that the midnight black, that satin finish, was that the same finish they had in the six? Like, did it have that swirl in there? I- yeah, it did. Okay, so that's just my own ignorance. <laughs> no, I had the I had the mirror one plus six, so I didn't know what the matte one looked like. Um, that's fine. So actually, with this one plus six T launch, um, this was really when I asked myself, you know, you know, why is OnePlus still releasing these incremental updates? I thought personally that there was not too much updated on this phone, but okay, they launched it on T-Mobile. Correct. Which and was, so it, it's kind of yeah. a cool, you know, it, I'm, this is how daft and slow I am sometimes, Ricky. I was like, why the 6T? Like, it, it's kind of odd that they would do it on kind of like the, the tick, the tick, you know, the TikTok cycle where their TikTok cycle is six months, right? Tick is the big number change in uh-huh. the spring. And then in the fall, you get the T version, which is kind of like the talk, TikTok, sure. TikTok. And I like that. And I was like, why would they do it on talk cycle? That's so weird. And I, then I thought about it a bit more and I was like, well, it's probably because, you know, catching up on those holiday sales, you know, that's a good time to like hype a phone. Looks at uh, technically um, uh, Apple does all their phone launches in the, in the fall as well. So, you know, and obviously it's beneficial to them as we've seen. So then, but then it took me a while to realize that the 6T, the letter T was such a perfect fit for T-Mobile. <laughs> I don't I think it was on purpose, that. but you know what I'm saying? Like it just fits. One plus six T mobile. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I love how uh uh how uh Enobong uh at board at work was uh and his video was saying sixty, like the the number is six zero. The sixty the sixty <laughs> <is> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> um so anyway, uh so what you know, okay, so 
the let's talk about T-Mobile. Let's get that out of the way because that's obviously a huge deal. Um, OnePlus has sold their phones uh, for a while now in the U.S. Uh, on their website. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could also buy them on Amazon and other places, not officially, but you could get them. And, sure. and you know, that was kind of the thing, you know, their, their audience was a tech savvy early adopter audience. And they were like, okay, let's, uh, let's make this available for them. Uh, legitimate with, you know, support and a warranty and everything through our website and make them happy. And then they can take that to their carrier of their choice, be, meaning basically AT&T or T-Mobile because it was a GSM device. So it didn't support Verizon or Sprint, mm-hmm. uh, didn't have CDMA bands. And it wasn't, you know, on Verizon, you have to be approved by Verizon to be on their LTE network, which is a crock of crap because really <laughs> um, part of their license for LTE requires them to allow unlocked devices on their LTE network. So I always find it interesting that they make such a fuss that they have to certify phones. But anyway, um, and so this phone is coming to Timo, but it's also going to work on Verizon for the first time on only LTE. So you won't be able to use it on legacy Verizon networks. Like no CDMA supports, you have to be in LT land. But obviously, Verizon is LT land pretty much everywhere. And to, to do voice calls and texting, it uses voice over LTE. And so it's certified by Verizon this time. So that's a big deal. Of course, Sprint customers are still SOL because they still use CDMA a lot and they have weird LTE bands. So the reality <laughs> is now you can buy a team, uh, phone uh, unlocked from OnePlus. And if you buy the unlocked version, it's dual SIM. And then you can buy a phone from T Mobile. And so, Ricky, did you catch the differences between the two? There are so differences. I, I understand that the T-Mobile version is locked to T-Mobile. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's locked to T-Mobile, and it has extra bands for T-Mobile, the 600 millihertz band, megahertz band, which is the, um, the uh, I forgot what it's, band 71, I believe? Band yeah. 71 or 72? So it and, turns out that mm-hmm. actually that's not true. The the oh, 600 oh. band was like it has the same bands as the uh, the uh, one they sell for the US unlocked, but you know T-Mobile in their you know this marketing speak it's optimized for T-Mobile bands, oh, which okay. just means it supports 600. Um, so there's no difference there. The big difference is it's single SIM. Yes, that is the biggest difference. It's single SIM and. Is the unlocked one the one that's... Well, obviously, the unlocked one has to be the one that works on Verizon. The dual SIM one works on Verizon. So both of them do. Oh, both of them do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, in terms of radio, they're the same. Just one. So we're not, we're not sure. I haven't seen a T-Mobile one, so I don't know how they disabled the second SIM. If it's just a different SIM slot, like where you don't have... You have a... Like, the second part is is, is covered over, Right. You can't mm-hmm. use, you can't physically put a SIM in there. Oh, I see. Or if it's a software disable and you still have a, a tray with two SIMs, we'll have to figure that out. Because if it's a software disable, there's a good chance that you might be able to reflash well, your it's phone. Well, a different SKU. So well, it might it even, is, yeah. it might not even have a second IMEI number. So here's the thing. This, exactly. That's, and that's why reflashing might be needed. And then you, you're still as well because you don't have any MEI. But here's the thing that I think is happening. It's only a different SKU because the box also says T-Mobile on it on the outside. I saw the box at the T-Mobile oh, store. Okay. Uh-huh. And then also because it's locked, right? They have to lock it in the factory. And then because, uh, and, and I have a feeling that the SIM tray is different, which is actually really justifies them having a different SKU, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, what if you can reflash this thing 
Um, and somehow there's an IMA in there that's just not visible to you that's still there, baked in, that you can access all of a sudden, and maybe you just have to buy a new SIM tray. It'll be interesting. That's my point. We don't have the answers, but here's the thing that you should know. You have to get it unlocked if you buy it from T-Mobile. Now, if you are a T-Mobile customer and you buy it from them, after 40 days of, of, uh, of uh, you know, service in good standing, you can get it unlocked. Uh, they send you, you know, you, you run their unlock app, which you can download on the Play Store, which I think is probably baked into the phone, and you can unlock it. But the, the challenge is that if, uh, if you're already a customer and you're already in good standing, you technically couldn't unlock it right away. And apparently, don't quote me on this, but I heard someone at T-Mobile tell me, and I can't, you know, say who, but that if you go to a store and you buy one full price, and there's a $40 unlocking fee. You can unlock it on the spot. Oh, okay. But, but that, that's because they want to they wanna make money from you, right? Because they, they're not going to be, you're not going to be on their network. So they exactly. want, so, so that's actually more money than buying it from, from OnePlus on their website. And you don't get dual SIM. And let's talk about firmware in a second. And there's different firmware. And I'll, I'll get to that because that's the worst part in my opinion. And then of course, that means you can have it right away because you can walk into a time, the store in Times Square because of the first three days starting Monday. Was it Monday? Oh, yeah. it was the starting first Monday. three days. What's okay, that? I, I thought it was just the first day. I didn't know that they were holding it continuously. I thought it was three days that it was I didn't know. only didn't available know was. at that store. And then after yeah. that, other stores would get it. Mm -hmm. But you know, and then of course, I think it gets sold. Then it's available on the on the. I mean, it's available on the OnePlus site now. It doesn't ship for for now. You know, it's going to take a while to get to you. But I, I, I mean, these are some of the things that I should look up. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but the point is, look, don't you, listeners, dear listeners, if you <laughs> want this phone, do me a favor, wait and buy it from. Or even if you can pre-order it right now, pre-order it from OnePlus. Don't don't get it through T-Mobile. Here's why, right? It is essentially the same phone, but the firmware has been what I call contaminated by T-Mobile. Meaning there is apps on there from T-Mobile you cannot remove, including the T-Mobile app. They're like uh, account app, and their weird caller ID app. And I think you can remove that one, and and probably the unlock app. Which is, you're going to say that's very minimal. But if you look, a Pixel 3 bought from Verizon, if, once you get it unlocked, or it should be unlocked, there was this brouhaha about that. But the, the bottom line is easy to get unlocked, and it doesn't have any Verizon software contaminating its ROM, as far as I know. So I'm a little miffed and annoyed that T-Mobile you know, force OnePlus to sell their soul and make a custom firmware version. Because the big question, Ricky, is, and I think you know what I mean here, updates. Are they going to get updates at the same time? So once the carrier is involved, yeah, it's pretty much up in the air whether the carrier is going to be able to keep up with the general release of, uh, you know, a worldwide update, in this case, in the international unlocked version. So, you know, T-Mobile customers might get updates, you know, a week, maybe even a month later than the general I mean, they're channel. promising all kinds of things. When I talk to the OnePlus and the T-Mobile people at their event, they're like, yeah, don't worry, we're going to be on time with the updates. But I'm like, how is that going to work? Because, you know, you need to push them through your server or maybe it's not, maybe it's pushed to OnePlus servers. I don't know. The bottom line is there are too many question marks and I don't think you should make that compromise unless you're absolutely on a budget and you cannot afford to buy this full price. Um, I would say buy... 
you know, buy the unlocked version. It'll work just fine on Timo. And, you know, I'm using my review unit, which is a dual SIM unlocked version on Timo, and it works great. I got 600 megahertz support. Everything is awesome. VoLTE is working. Uh, Wi-Fi calling is working. Everything's there. And I don't have any Timo crap, crap on there whatsoever. So keep that in mind because... You know, I know it's easy to go like, oh, I can go into a store and buy it directly and oh, I can get a payment plan. But, you know, remember, you, you get what you pay for. Okay. Well, remember, I mean, if you want to get that promotion that they're offering as well, up to $300 off, um, you have to buy it through T-Mobile and you have to finance it. So uh, right. you'll get even cheaper I mean, payment pl payments, but at, at the cost of, you know the software being a little bit different. You bring up a good point though. They have a really great offer. That's the, probably the exception that I would say consider maybe going to Timo to buy the phone is that you can return a whole bunch of old phones. If you look on my Twitter account, you'll see a photo that lists all the phones. I took a photo of this of the of the slide they had up on the screen at the at the event that show list all the phones you can bring back to T-Mobile to get uh three, uh $300 off of your OnePlus phone. That includes every OnePlus phone ever made, including the OnePlus One, and a bunch of Galaxies, bunch of iPhones, bunch of uh, Moto phones, uh, HTC maybe? I'm, I don't remember. No, LG, LG phones. So, so this deal is actually $300 off, period. So it's not like an up to, like, oh, the older phones will be right. less of a, of a, of a, of a trade-in value. It's no, all of these phones on this list that from the announcement are $300 off. And that even includes the one, the one plus X that was, you know, barely yeah, for the, sale. The mid range also. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's actually a pretty big deal. Like it, that I could see you like, you know, kind of having to deal with unlock and the custom firmware, because I still think you're going to get updates pretty quickly, but I just, I, it just gives me the willies, you know, like this thing <laughs> of like, Oh, carrier firmware. No. Right. I don't know how you feel, Ricky, but it always I mean, pushes my buttons. The general public probably won't care. You know, that's true. Um, they're going to see like, oh, there's this really cool phone I've never heard of, but it's going to be at the T-Mobile store. And that's the biggest deal of this whole partnership is that the OnePlus 6T is going to be in physical T-Mobile stores where the general public will see it and say, oh, what's this? You know, what is this? I've never heard of this company. Um and better so, yet, the Times Square store that we visited right after the event in New York, after the launch event, it had, they hold, turned the entire store into one plus, you know, madness. And I know it's not going to last. I think it's only for two or three days. But think of this, right? There wasn't a Galaxy or iPhone in sight. Like, that's <laughs> a huge deal. Like, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. And from what I heard from talking to various people at the event, they're going to have the even when the phones come back on the shelves, the competing phones, they're going to have the OnePlus kind of front and center in every store. That's a huge wow. deal. That is a really big deal. They're going to have their own display. Yeah, right in the front. Okay. Yeah. Do you do, do you remember the Nexus displays? The Nexus when the, the Nexus oh. Six when the Nexus Six Motorola Nexus Six was at T-Mobile. It was so sad. It was like tucked away in a corner <laughs> against the other devices. Like, eh, you know, it's it's there if you want it. <laughs> so much sadness but here's the thing right we should i, I want to talk about the rest of the phone because this one plus so this t-mobile thing is a huge deal that's why we spend a lot of time talking about it but but to me the thing that's a little that more like you said average consumers really won't care too much i agree but one thing average consumers might care about is the lack of headphone jack 
Mm, yes. Right? I mean, I don't know if you're a headphone jack fan or if you kind of like Michael Fisher don't really care because you use Bluetooth, uh, but I do care and I do feel that it's a bit disappointing. But I've discovered a couple of things I want to share about that. The bad news is there is no headphone jack. The good news is that unlike some phones like the Pixel, the, the HTC phones, and uh, let's see, there's a, I think those are the main big ones, and the Essential and the Razer, unless all those phones, you don't need, it's, it's not doing audio through, like it's doing, it's also supporting analog audio through USB-C, not just digital audio. So basically, there are two, this is what's so confusing, Ricky, about USB-C audio. There's two standards. Mm-hmm. that are part yes. of the USB-C spec. One standard is the phone doesn't have any kind of analog audio other than the built-in mic and earpiece and and maybe the mono or stereo speakers. And then if you want to plug some sort of headphone earpod, earbud that's wired, you have to use an adapter. And that adapter actually has the DAC and the headphone amp in it. It's called a digital mm-hmm. or active adapter, meaning it's basically a sound card. It's a USB sound card that's tiny, oh. tiny that you plug in and it okay. gives you a DAC and an amp. And of course, as you can imagine, these things cost nine to 20, between nine and $30 and they are going to be very small. So the sound quality is gonna be highly limited by the quality of the components used in that thing. The mm-hmm. DAC's going to be not generally very good, and the headphone amp's not going to be very powerful, and so you're kind of going to suffer in terms of audio performance. Now, not all of them are bad. The Essential one sounds pretty decent. The dongle, the uh, Razer one's really great because it's expensive and bulkier. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. the honestly, the Pixel one's not bad. The HTC dongle is kind of terrible. But there's an alternative to all this that Moto uses, uh, that Le Eco was using on their phones, that um, Huawei also uses, which is analog over USB-C, which means uh-huh. the DAC and the headphone amp are still in the phone, and you just have a passive, like a dumb dongle. The dongle is just a cable, right? An adapter cable. Right. And that to, is to what the pins. that is what OnePlus is doing. So the wonderful thing here is that the dongle that comes in the box, it's a nice little red dongle from, from OnePlus. It's cheap because there's nothing to it. There's just a cable with a connector at each end. And inside the phone is still the same really high quality DAC and headphone amp that they had in the OnePlus 6. And so you can, if you turn on the enhanced audio mode, which is not on by default in the setting, you immediately bring this to the level of quality of like, not quite as good as the LG Quad DAC, but much, much better than average. And so with adapter, it's, since it's just passive, you can go ahead and enjoy your OnePlus 6T with a pair of wired headphones with decent performance. So yes, you lose the jack, but they did not compromise on really good in, good built-in audio. So that's the thing to know. For those of you who are used to OnePlus and have experienced the OnePlus 5, 5T, and 6 had this really high or pretty high-end Dirac branded DAC and headphone amp, you can still benefit from that with the dongle that's supplied. And here's the best part. Amazon sells these dumb passive analog dongles for 2 to $3 all day long. Nice. Right? So it's much harder to find a digital dongle on Amazon, which is why so many people have a Pixel, lost their dongle, and we're like, oh, look, I can buy a dongle on Amazon for $3, and then they plug it in and nothing happens. It doesn't work. Right? So <laughs> right. that's what's broken about USB-C audio, and it's that you're bro- breaking the compatibility. 
And we're going to talk about this in a second, but I want to bring it up right now since we're having a discussion on this USB-C audio madness. The iPads, the new iPads announced yesterday have USB-C now instead of Lightning, and they don't have a headphone jack. And it'll be interesting to see if Apple has supported analog or digital or both. Hmm. And because their dongle might actually be pretty decent, the lightning dongle that comes with the iPhone isn't too bad. And it's an active, it's a digital dongle. So we'll see. It'll be, you know, this is the thing. Every time somebody comes out with a new phone that doesn't have a headphone jack or a new tablet that doesn't have a headphone jack, it's like the lottery. It's like, is it USB-C analog? Is it USB-C digital? Is the dong If it's digital, is the dongle in the box any good? Is there even a dongle in the box? You if know, there's like, even a dongle at all. It's right? like, oh, what a nightmare, Ricky. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really like a roulette when you're trying to figure out. If you're, wor- if you're someone who's really worried about these kinds of things, you know. Generally, when it comes to headphone jacks, my opinion is... It's nice to have it there, particularly when I'm traveling. If I'm traveling on a plane, um, I'm trying to watch a video or listen to music. And, you know, just the just the convenience of being able to use a pair of headphones because I forgot my other pair, you know. Well, tell me what you think of that in-display fingerprint reader. Okay, so I've been using the in-display fingerprint reader on the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. However... So how, and that works. I thought it worked very well. I have not tested the OnePlus 6T's in-display fingerprint myself. Right. Um, but on actually, our review is up on GSM Marina's website. Um, I will put it the, in the show notes, by the way. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's up there. So the, there's also a video review on there. They had some... Because they're over at the office in Europe. They had... Their experience was kind of lukewarm. Like, sometimes it would take a while to register... It sounded. It sounded to me like it might be like a early software issue. Maybe it could be fixed with software, you know. And I'm not sure which exactly which kind of technology they used for this in-display fingerprint. You know, is it similar to Huawei's? Is it similar to Oppo's? Or is it just something completely different? You know, I'm not. I'm actually not sure what kind of technology they used on it. I don't know either. All I know is that in terms of the, it's definitely optical. Like there's the the little light that shines underneath the display. To yes. read it, so it's using a camera system because there are different systems. There's an ultrasonic one and a, a bunch. I think there's another one that uses like radar waves. Anyway, the point is, I have both the Mate 20 Pro and I've had the OnePlus 6T for about a week. And here's what I can tell you: they are both pretty much the same, in my opinion. Okay. Meaning that they're both decently fast, as in about like I think OnePlus said point three, four seconds. So they said point three something. Yeah. Yeah. One third of a second. Um, and honestly, that's roughly what the May 20 feels like to me. And I can look that up. I wouldn't be surprised if they use the same sensor. Um, and I would say in terms of accuracy, I would say it's like 90%. It's, it's, you, you use the May 20 every now and then it, it fails, but it's generally pretty good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it works most of the time. Like, you know, maybe like if if I just wash my hands, and my my fingers are are wet, then it won't read. But that's right. any any fingerprint scanner, right? Exactly. So here's the thing to me is that it is a bit slower and a tiny little bit less accurate than what you used to. So in that sense, it's up to you to decide: is this an issue for you or not? I'll tell you what: I am finding now that I use my I have my OnePlus Plus Six T for a while, and because the phone feels and is shaped a lot like a One Plus Six. And I'm used to a rear fingerprint reader on my Pixel 3 and on the OnePlus 6. I 
I keep touching the camera in the back with my index <laughs> finger to unlock the phone uh -huh. and I forget that it's in the front. And then it's, I have to say, it slows me down. I hate front fingerprint readers in the first place. I'm not a fan. I find that it's always awkward to reach in the front. I like the fact that with the rear fingerprint reader, you can reach for the phone in your pocket touch the fingerprint reader while you're pulling out the phone. And by the time you look at it, it's unlocked, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, otherwise you have to pull it, like aim for the right spot with your thumb in the front. And so the aim for the right spot in the front still exists. And it's worse than before because in the past, fingerprint readers in the front, you had like a little indent, right? You could feel it. Mm -hmm. Here you have to physically look at your screen and know where the little spot is. It shows That's it to true. you on the screen. Yes. And then, if you're in a dark room with somebody else, maybe it's sleeping, that thing is so freaking bright, Ricky. <laughs> like it lights up the whole room. So it's a bit, honestly, I feel like it's, I'm not sure that's progress. I think it's cool. The gimmick factor is high. The cool yeah. factor is high. I am not feeling it though. I, I, I think I w I'm happy it's there because it's the, not only is this the first phone in the US with an in-display fingerprint reader, but it is also, you know, it's it's OnePlus. They're trying to innovate. And it, this is innovative, right? For sure. I think it'll be much cooler when these things improve and are much faster and much more accurate. And mm. when the entire bottom one third of the screen you can touch, you know what I'm saying? There are yes. uh, there were some prototypes that uh, Vivo showed, some prototypes of uh, phones that had one third of the bottom, like the bottom third of the screen, anywhere you touch there was a fingerprint reader. And yes, that to that. me is the future. So then when we have that, I think I won't, com I will not miss my back fingerprint reader. So to be honest with you, between the, I've, the OnePlus 6 and 6T, I'm, because of the headphone jack and the fingerprint reader, I'm kind of leaning towards the OnePlus 6, except for one thing, and that's battery. So because they removed the headphone jack and they had to remove the headphone jack in order to fit the vibration motor and the in-display fingerprint reader underneath the display in the bottom part there, they, they also had a bit of room left over and they made, they put a thicker battery in there um, because the phone is a little bit thicker than the OnePlus 6. And so instead of 3,300 milliamp hours, 3,700 milliamp hour. And to me, I think that's, don't decide to buy the OnePlus 6T I mean, besides the T-Mobile and the use on Verizon part, don't decide to buy the, T the 6T because of the fingerprint reader or the smaller notch, which we're going to talk about in a second, or the you know headphone jack or any of that stuff. Buy it maybe because of the battery difference, because more battery is always better, right? Oh, yeah. And it's, manufacturers are having a hard time understanding that. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> Some manufacturers are. And I want to say that because it's a little thicker, the camera pod protrudes less and it does feel a little better in hand than the six. But honestly, it's a minor thing. Um, I would still, I'm not a huge, I'm not like, a, I, I don't find battery life on the six to be a big issue. So I would probably tend to pick the six because I prefer the fingerprint reader in the back and the headphone jack. But, you know, that doesn't work on Verizon. It's not so by T-Mobile and it doesn't have the cool factor of the fingerprint reading in the front. And speaking of cool factor, teardrop notch instead of regular notch, uh, which is, again, a first for the US market and very cool looking. I mean, this is more display than the six. The bezel at the bottom is even smaller. And, you know, it's a gorgeous OLED. So, I mean, it's 1080p still, but you, you can't go wrong with, with this phone in terms of, of display. 
One sacrifice was made though, Reiki, and that's there's no more indicator light in the top by the earpiece, you know, showing you like notifications. Because mm -hmm. the notch is so small, they only have three things in there. They have the front camera, they have a, uh, a, a like, what's it called? Uh, the a sensor, sensor? A sensor to detect whether you're taking a call, you know, like proximity, yeah? Proximity sensor. Mm -hmm. And then they have a slit right above that in the frame of the, of the unit for the earpiece. Uh, so the earpiece yes. is actually not in the display anymore at all. Um, kind of like the essential, but, but you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful design. It's nice. Um, my only gripe maybe, and, and I don't want you guys, and I say guys, I mean, folks listening to think that I don't like the one plus 60, I think it's awesome, but I, I have a few niggles, the lack of notification, light, lack of, head, lack of headphone jacks, the little things that bug me. And then, but I do think the fingerprint reader is cool. I think the notch is cool, but I also feel like the, the, the screen has rounded corners where the roundness is way too big. Like, you know, the radius is way too big. It cuts more of the screen off than the six did. And it feels kind of like more like bar of soap. Now the phone, when you look at it, <laughs> like it's all round. It's like a four yeah. Taurus from the nineties. It's really weird. Okay. Whereas I think the six had a bit more of a square feel. And I like phones that look a little more squarish. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Okay. Um, do you have like design choices there? Design preferences that you, do you feel there's a, is this is something you notice? Is it a difference for you? Actually, I don't know. Um, I can't say that I've noticed that specifically down to the design and the radius of the, of the display. Um, I, I don't know. Actually, I tend to like phones that are, that are um, easier to hold. I don't, so I don't like how the Mate 20 Pro is held. Like, like the Samsung Edge, like the Samsung S9, Note 9, Mate 20 Pro, because they have the curved edges, I don't like how it feels holding it because the, sharp. the bezel is, right, it's, it's, it's almost sharp because, you know, the, the frame is so thin around the screen and the back glass and the front glass, it's, it's less to hold on to. So, yeah, it, it's a little bit more, a little bit less uncomfortable. I guess that's my preference. I'm, I'm okay. not, I don't prefer that. Well, if you'll I have like the like 6T. Because I, I think it feels better in the hand than the six for yeah, sure. Yeah, because a thicker, it's a little a thicker, thicker phone feels better to yeah. me, definitely. Yeah. Yes. And so compare them side by side. You probably still have a six floating around. Put them next to each other and look at the radius on the screen ed, uh, corners. It's a little weird. Like they went kind of overboard. It's like uh, you cut off a whole corner, a chunk of that corner, guys. Where is my corner of my screen anymore? It's weird. <laughs> but remember, you have to understand that uh, you know OnePlus is part of BBK like Oppo and Vivo. And so that display is probably the same display that's in one of the Vivo phones, like the R17 or something. So, you know, uh, keep that in mind. Um, camera, let's talk about that because you're a camera person, you're, you do professional videos. So what are your thoughts on that? They, they added some software features. It's the same camera as the six. They added some software features that are coming back like retroactively to the six, which is really good news for you. So that's the other reason you should potentially consider a six simply because you're really not getting much in terms of other than battery size, much difference, right? Um, the nightscape is pretty interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Have, were you able to, were you able to finally test the nightscape on, on the units? Yeah, they, uh, they, yeah, it comes with it. Um, I used it oh. and it's really quite good. Like, I mean, it's basically like night mode on the Mate 20 Pro or P20 Pro mm -hmm. or P20 or Mate 20. It's also like the new, uh, what's it called? Night vision or whatever, the night thing on sight. Pixel 3. Night, night sight. sight, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL, which doesn't officially exist yet, but there's an APK you can download for your Pixel 3 that enables that. 
uh, which I've been using. And so basically it's this thing where it does a long exposure by adding multiple photos and aligning them in software so that there's no blur. And mm -hmm. yeah, it does help a lot. But here's the bottom line for me on the OnePlus 6 and 6T cameras, since they're the same, is that these are the first cameras from OnePlus that I feel are good enough and competitive enough to have in a phone that can be called a flagship phone. They're, mm -hmm. you know, but they're still at the bottom end of the flagship quality. Like, sure. you know, the low light without the nightscape mode doesn't quite live up to say a Galaxy or an iPhone or, or a Pixel or a Mate. Um, and that's a little disappointing, but I have to say they've made huge progress. And honestly, you will not be disappointed in terms of imaging with this phone. 90% of you out there. I was very surprised uh, with the OnePlus. So I remember I ordered the 5T. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to return it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was returning it. And, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't like the camera on no, the 5T. Good. They hyped the camera. I they hyped the camera on that phone so much and then they didn't deliver. I thought, but they didn't do the, they didn't hype the camera on the OnePlus 6, but the OnePlus 6 I thought took much better shots um than the 5 or the 5T did. I agree um, 100%. My only um gripe with the camera on the OnePlus 6 in this case the 6T as well cuz they're the similar camera um is the selfie camera i did not i thought the selfie camera on the OnePlus 6 was not very good it didn't capture as much it was kind of soft for me i don't think that's changed okay i don't think so either no so um, <laughs> i mean look it's for the price by the way the price is interesting it's a little more than the five the six was obviously the six was 529 for the base model which was six gigabytes 64 gigabytes this mm -hmm. is now 549 but you get 128 gigabyte and six gigs of ram so you get double the storage so in a sense i think it's pretty competitive still um the yes. highest price version 256 um eight gigs is uh 629 and then there's a 579 one in the middle somewhere which is 8 gigs 128 gig but the bottom line is i think it's competitive you absolutely as always and so yeah i think the camera honestly is not going to be an issue for most people it's it's finally at a point as you said with the six where you know it's it's decent i can live with it um but it's true when you start comparing it to the others today it's still falling short and you know, let's let's hope OnePlus does even better next time. I mean, you know, what can you say for five hundred and forty nine dollars? Come on. Um, I'm actually going to add on to what you said about uh, now that you're mentioning pricing. The T-Mobile version. I looked at the little uh, plaque on the tables at the T-Mobile store, and it it said five eighty. Five seventy nine. You because they sell the, they sell the eight gigabyte one twenty eight gig version. Oh, because it's eight gigabyte. Yeah, yeah. They don't sell the six oh, one twenty eight, the base one. Okay. They they sell the mid range one, which is five seventy nine on OnePlus' site as well. Oh, it's the same price. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so they don't sell the the base base one. Okay, no. got it, got it. I I made a mistake. Uh, and I think they have two. They have the two colors, but I don't think they have a bigger size version. I think that's all you can get there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. You might be able to get the eight to fifty six uh, higher end one. I'm. I'm not sure, but I. I think definitely you can't get the the base six one twenty eight version. Um, and I mean six gigs of RAM is way plenty enough, right? Yeah, yeah. Even even six gigs and one twenty eight, which is what actually the 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 base model 
Mate 20 Pro has also. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's plenty, even six gigs. I mean, honestly, you're not going to miss out. Um, cool. Well, listen, um, I will try to do a video review of the 6T at some point. I'm just a bit, a bit swamped right now. But, mm -hmm. um, but you know, you kind of got our review, I think, here in the show. Like, you know, things I like is it's thicker it's better in hand it's got a cool factor with the fingerprint reader the notch is nice and small uh, you know it's got that new nightscape mode for the camera which is a low light mode which is a handheld low light which is great um it's a one plus it's available on timo it works on verizon these are the pluses the negatives for me are no headphone jack no notification light oh sorry one of the big pluses is the battery bigger battery 3700 mm -hmm. yes the the minuses are no headphone jack, no notification light. There's weird rounded corners that I find are weird. Um, the um, uh, fingerprint reader in the front, just as much as it's an advantage and a cool factor, it's a solid drawback because it's a little slower, less reliable, and I don't like the position of it. Um, and then, um, you know, the camera is good, but not great. And that's it in a nutshell. I mean, you can't go wrong though with this phone. Like, honestly, I, after using the OnePlus 6 for several months, I was like, really, do you need more phone than that? I don't think so. So the OnePlus 6T is in some ways more phone. So there you go. It's a, it's a very, yeah, it's a very high value to, I forgot what I was going to say. It's like a value versus experience. Yes. Bang for buck, I guess, would be the best way to put it. I think, I think it's the best bang for buck. We're honestly smartphones right now. Especially and in the U.S. because you got Timo and you have Verizon support now, which is super important. Uh, sure, it's LTE only, but I still, I mean, LTE on Verizon is everywhere. So I really LTE don't think you're going to mind. Yeah. Um, and the best part with L Verizon, if you're a Verizon customer, you could potentially buy a second line for like $5 a month or something and get like a, a cheap burner phone like a Moto G6 that has CDMA support in case you are in the boonies and you still need to use the phone, you know? So, <laughs> or, or you can get a Palm. <laughs> oh God, the Palm. Does that have CDMA? I don't think, I think that's just LTE as well. It, yeah, um, it probably is. I yeah. finally, that's a whole different conversation. Look, I finally <laughs> saw one at, uh, in, in New York. One of the folks, and I'm not going to say who, showed me their phone. I can't tell you anything because it's under embargo. But oh, okay. and, and I want to respect my friends. So uh, more on the next podcast. I'm trying to get a review unit, but all I have to say is, holy crap, it's small. That's all. Like, <laughs> the pictures don't do it justice. Um, and that's all I'm going to say before I get in trouble. <laughs> before the giant laser beam in the sky comes and hits me um, what was I going to say uh, let's move on and quickly talk about the hydrogen one the red phone that here's my take I just want to say a quick thing and I'll, I'll let you take put, you can put your take so like he said she said um, it was hyped to death it took forever to ship it turns out that this great crazy 4V 4View technology is really just 3D uh, it looks exactly like the Evo 3D did back in the oh, day. Oh, man. Um, the, and, and basically, so it captures photos and videos in 3D, and it plays them back on a display in 3D. And it's a newer display technology than the Evo. It's, an, it's obviously with the, you know, the processing power we have today, much better at processing the videos and photos it takes in 3D, all mm -hmm. that. But ultimately, 
You're paying $1,300 for a modern interpretation of an EVO 3D. It's so gimmicky, I cannot begin to explain how gimmicky it is. And on top of that, the phone sucks. Meaning it's, oh, it's beautiful and beefy and thick and heavy and you can throw at somebody and kill them and, and all that, you know, <laughs> machined aluminum, it's red, right? A red sure. makes really amazing cameras, but, and you know, they're reliable, solid, well-made. But none of that matters if the phone itself is kind of crap. And the display, when you use it as a normal 2D display, doesn't even hold a candle to like a Moto G6, okay? And, and then on top of that, it's big and bulky and it costs a lot of money and it's got a Snapdragon 835 from like two years ago in there because right. they announced the thing with the 835 and they shipped it a year and a half later than 835. It's a total disaster. And if you look at the reviews, oh my God, The Verge gave it three out of 10. Like that's how bad it is, folks. And that's my take. So what's, what's the actual resolution on it? It's Quad HD. It's Quad HD. Okay. It's Quad HD and it's... Okay, I'm just looking now here at this. Uh, this Pretty uh, sure. The notes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just. So I understand what that is there's your actually impression? some. I'm sorry? What is your impression? So I understand that there's some camera. Like, okay, so Red makes cameras. The whole right. point of this phone was to show us the camera experience. Yeah. Is, is that. That's what I. I mean, I think so. It's, but... it's Evo 3D. There's nothing. The camera takes okay pictures, but it doesn't even remote key. It, it doesn't even come close to a Mate 20 Pro or a Pixel 3 in terms of normal imaging. Wow. So the camera is just a dud. Then. It's a total just, dud. It does 3D. Wow. Okay. It does 3D really well it because it's able to it. do 3D at 4K and everything. Like it's cool. But like the display sucks. The processor is not a, a flagship processor. The thing costs $1,300. Yes, it's built like a tank, but like it doesn't excuse the fact that as a phone, it sucks. And you know, I know it'll be interesting to see once they start, if they ever launch these modules they'll be talking about, because the whole thing yes. is modular and it's got like a contact array in the back, like the Moto uh, mod system. And and it'll be interesting if they come up with like a big, you know, scarlet sensor or something, they stick on the back there, then maybe I could see it. But then like, what do you do? You have to take that off the, the phone every time you want to use it as a phone. Does it just become a dumb HDMI monitor for your for your red <laughs> sensor at that oh my point? Gosh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't get it. Like, what are you thinking here, Red? Oh man, I don't know. I guess I guess we'd have to figure out, or they'd have to figure out, or I don't know. Uh, look back on the Red when they first started making cameras. I don't know the whole story, but when they started making cameras, I believe that people were like, "Oh, they're crazy. What? They don't know what they're doing." Um, but then they delivered. And then they delivered, right? So, can we expect a similar thing to happen from this? But no, because you know, they delivered and it's crap, and like everybody they, agrees. They, and and I played with it. I was I was very neutral, right? Until I touched one at the OnePlus event. Actually, I touched with I played with two different ones, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is it? Like it was terrible, Ricky. Really bad." Yeah, I mean, well, you know what? What Red did it. They promised they would do it. They delivered a product. They delivered what um, they said they would deliver. They yeah, they, they just did. lied. They just lied about this four V thing. They said it was like the next coming. It was a holographic. Oh, it's yeah, not. No. It's three D. That like it's, <laughs> they hyped something that we already had with the Evo three D. That's all I'm saying. From like twenty what two thousand eleven or two thousand correct maybe? eleven eleven yeah yeah so yeah I mean if you're gonna show us something like that. 
they better blow our minds, not just. And like, I think oh. they overhyped it. Honestly, if they hadn't overhyped it and they said, look, we're working on a phone, it's going to be part of the ecosystem. Um, you know, we don't expect too many people to buy it. You know, it's it going to add connectivity to our red cameras. There'll be modules with Scarlet sensors and whatever. And oh, by the way, it does 3D video and, uh, and, and stills. Uh, and, you know, it's a pretty high-end phone in terms of specs. I think we would have been okay with that, you know? Yeah. But no, hype, hype, hype. And then they deliver something that way backwards in terms of spec. You know, sure, they delivered on the build quality and the beefiness and the manufacturing, the materials, all the stuff you expect from, from Red. But, at the, you know, this is not the camera world where you buy a camera and use it for a decade, right? A cinema camera. This is this yeah. is the consumer world where that phone is obsolete. Like before they launched it, that phone was obsolete because they weren't yes. able mm -hmm. to update it to an 845. Like that's what I'm talking about. And they might not see it that way, but you know, when they hyped it so much, so many people, including like people who really love Red, like the folks at the Virgin, Marquez and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. they, they were like really on board. And then they disappoint us like this. This, this is not good. You know, they gotta set expectations appropriately. Yeah, I mean, those is there is there even any update on uh, or timeline for those uh, modular? No. Nope. Nope, and honestly, nothing? considering the thing is going to be a dud, I don't even think if I were red, I would spend any money on that. You know, maybe the repurpose is, uh -huh. this, as you said, as I said, as a fancy HDMI monitor. Like having a smart device that's part of the core of your like touchscreen based smart device that's part of the core of your camera control. I think yeah. that's a really good idea. Maybe repurpose it as as that and have LTE connectivity on it. It's also a or really maybe, good idea. Maybe repurpose it as um, a red camera accessory. Correct. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. an LTE-enabled smart display for yes. monitoring, uh, camera adjustments um, with, with touch controls, uh, you know, really beefy, really, really cool. Like, absolutely. But don't, don't position it as a phone because a phone means that it's always on you. You don't have to unre... Like, that's the problem with mods. You have to remove all the crap off of it to really use it as a phone, right? <laughs> Unless you have <laughs> yeah. a really thin battery mod, right? So... Yeah. Anyway, let's talk Apple because we got about uh, 15 minutes left. And um, I know you're not a Mac user, but I want your impressions. You saw the news. Um, What's your takeaway? Just kind of meh, more Apple stuff, whatever. Or does anything stand out in the announcement for you? Okay, so I, my honest take on this event, I don't, I don't follow Mac. I don't have a Mac. I've never extensively used a Mac computer. So to me, this announcement is, you know, updating their old products and still keeping the base models low so that you tack on accessories and pay more. <laughs> and this that's probably that that's the best way to recap this event I, in my opinion I think. <laughs> but that's true um, of Apple, that's true of Apple in general. But, but and that's I, just I agree. yeah, that's just Apple. That's Apple being Apple. Yeah. What what do you think of the iPads? I mean, that's a okay. little bit you maybe okay, so, maybe you, you use iOS from time to time as a phone uh, as a phone person you kind of have to, right? You probably have yes, yes. an iPhone floating around. So mm -hmm. iPad might maybe you know ring a bell with you a little more. Okay, yes. Yeah. So actually, iPad is what probably what the most I have to say about. Um, so there's no more home button. Um, so they've removed the Touch ID from the iPad, and they've pretty much gone face unlock. And this sounds to me, you know, with the announcement of the new MacBook um, Air having Touch ID, and then, you know, the iPad having Face ID, Face ID is going to remain a mobile product you know, a mobile yeah. method of unlocking and then touch ID would remain on the laptops because they could very well put 
Touch ID in a MacBook. I mean, sorry, Face ID in a MacBook. Yeah, that's probably next. You know, you Apple know, tends to do that. They milk their technology for a long time. <laughs> as long as they can. Yep. Until they're out of components. <laughs> that's right. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, the other big deal for me was USB-C on yeah. an iPad. That's a huge deal. I mean, you can plug 4K displays into the iPad now. That's computer-grade stuff here. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I want to make it clear as an aside that I know that some of you out there use iPad Pros as your main creative device because you're illustrators and graphic designers, and I get it. I'm, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, Harry McCracken, one of the most famous tech journalists of all time, uses a, an iPad as his primary writing tool with a keyboard, mind you, a Logitech keyboard. Every time I see him, he's got a Logitech keyboard on that thing. And he always has the latest iPad. And I'm sure, you know, that it's perfectly fine. For me, it isn't because I, I don't know, I like a desktop experience, especially for browsing the web, but I, I get it. Like, I think it's legit. And I honestly, when I look at this new iPad, all I can see is USB-C, no bezels almost, um, no buttons, and sadly, no headphone jack, by the way. Uh, but five millimeter thick, this is Star Trek come true to life. Like, this is <laughs> this is amazing to me. And I know it's iOS, it's a little limited, in my opinion, in terms of, a, of an experience. But... I, I have to give Apple kudos. Uh, the prices obviously are a little steep, but that's Apple. And remember, these are pro products. These are not your base iPad. So I think this is uh, this is delivering. And uh, the you know I know my friends who are musicians and DJs um, love the iPad as a music musical creation tool. It has some of the best music apps on the planet. Some people even don't use a MacBook anymore to create. Um, audio uh, and to DJ because an iPad just does the trick, right? So, I mean, there is a huge, uh, huge uh, population of people who are going to benefit from this. So I'm, I'm stoked about this iPad. I think it's great. I really like the new design. It's beautiful, right? Yeah. The, they, how they flattened it and made it uh, almost kind of squared off, but they still have the round edges. Um, it kind of goes in line with some of their MacBook Pro. Is that how the MacBook Pro... Yeah, it's got. The, it's yeah, like it's flat. interesting. It's it's more i it's more MacBook Pro than it is iPhone. Like I thought, like the yes. iPhone feels, you know, and obviously it needs to have rounded edges because it needs to be held in hand all the time. Mm -hmm. And I get it, and I think for that it feels good. But you know, again, you know, I like more squarish things. So you know, I find the iPhones a little too round for me. Although the it's uh, design-wise a little less frumpy than the round corners on the 6T, which are really weird to me. I don't know why. But um, the iPad, oh, it, I think you're right. It strikes a chord for me. It's kind of like it's got roundness, but it's just the right amount, and it's just in the right places, and it does just look like something, like just one slab of display in your hand. Yeah. I mean, that's what an iPad is. It actually, if you remember the first if I believe, I believe it was the first iPad. It had the same design. The the, the edges were kind of squared off, but the yep. back wasn't flat. The back was a little bit rounded. Um, That's right. So that, you know, it would easier easier to hold from the back. And they need to put the battery somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As well, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's cool. And, and you know, five millimeters, uh, they're going to have a lot of people bending this thing in half by accident Ooh. by sitting on it and stuff. By uh, oh boy! Don't drop it. It's gonna slip, slide in between people's car seats, and oh, it's gonna be <laughs> Apple Care Central. That's why Woo! you buy Apple Care. <laughs> you pay more Apple tax. So I have a question for you, Miriam. Yeah. Actually, yeah. now that the iPad Pro has USB C, do you think the next iPhone will have USB C? Yes. 
You think so? Yes. I'm calling it. There's two things that's going to happen next year. Either the iPhone will have no ports at all. <laughs> no. Oh my no, gosh. No. The I that idea just oh my gosh that idea they've been just doing that they've been wanting to do that forever remember google was trying to do the pixel 2 or pixel I don't know, one of the pixels uh back then with no ports i mean this is the the holy grail for apple is no buttons no ports right so i see i see one or two things happening next year um well three things they stick with lightning for one more generation they go no port after that or they switch to usb c and they stick with USB-C for a few generations until I, they can do the no port. I think they're going to stick with Lightning for one more generation. I think maybe one more time. Yeah. But here's the crazy so. thing, right? Like, if you're, an, if you're a Mac user, I just... I, no, sorry. If you're an Apple ecosystem user, just for a second, like, imagine this scenario. You have mm -hmm. an iPhone XS uh, that you just bought, yeah. and you have wired headphones, so you use a Lightning adapter for that. Mm -hmm. You just bought the new iPad Pro and you use the $9 Apple USB-C headphone adapter for that. And you have a MacBook, any MacBook, and you use the native headphone jack that's still built in to the MacBook for that. Holy, holy, like, talk about a split personality company here. So you need three different headphones. Yeah, well, you need two wired adapters. Wired headphones. For no. regular 3.5 millimeter headphones, yes. So the MacBook, so the MacBook has a standard 3.5. Yeah, you're good to go. And the iPad has USB-C, and the iPhone still has Lightning. Oh my goodness! Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, wait a second. If you have Lightning Hold earbuds, on. hold on. Lightning... Do you know what would solve this problem? What the AirPods? That's why people buy oh, the AirPods. That's right, the AirPods. Good call, oh Eric. The AirPods are the darlings of the Mac user world. Oof. Yeah, there With you go. Reason. But I, I do think it's interesting that if you have an i an iPhone that came with the lightning earbuds, mm -hmm. right? You can't use the lightning earbuds with your Mac or with your iPad mm -hmm. Pro 2018. But same, you know, if you buy a pair of light of USB-C headphones, like maybe uh, the, the bullets USB-C that OnePlus launched at the same time as 6T, you can't use those with your app iPhone, but you can use them with your iPad and you can't, you can actually use them with your, You'll be able to use them with your MacBook because it has USB-C. Mm -hmm. See how weird this is? This is like, uh, it's like another dimension. Apple, Steve Jobs would have leveled at that fly. Like, this is crazy to me. It's, it's just overlapping in all different and inconvenient ways. Wow. Um, I was actually going to ask you something related to, oh, I forgot what it was. Um, I'm sorry. If you had something, you can go ahead. I don't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, I want to talk to, I want to talk about the Macs a little bit because I'm a big Mac fan and Mac user. That's the thing. See, I'm not, a lot of people think you hate Apple and it's not true. Oh, and and well, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about the iPad Pro, what charger does it come with? It comes with a USB-C charger and I think it's, so uh, it's, it's like a 30 watt, watt or something. It's okay. like a tw their 29 watt one. Okay, because they could not pull that 5-watt BS no, anymore. I hope not. But they don't have a 5-watt <laughs> USB-C charger. So well, not The USB base exactly. model they sell for USB-C is a 29-watt. Yeah, the, the remember, I, I remember this was a topic of conversation, and this is the last we can talk about this because we have to move on to the Macs. Um, this is, uh, reminds me of the conversation when the, I, the iPad Pro first came out, and it still came with a 5-watt lightning charger, a USB charger. Yeah, it was just taking hours and hours and hours <laughs> to charge the thing up unless you bought this other, you know, other lightning, other uh, faster charging solution. Yeah. But anyway, that's 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 a, a long ongoing story that we don't have to get into. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know, honestly, but I assume that they did create another charger just for this. That would be, uh, you know, that they would bundle the 29-watt charger they already make. Could mm -hmm. be wrong, but um, we'll see. Anyway, speaking of USB-C uh, and laptops and a Macs, uh, let's talk about the new MacBook Air. So... I'm excited about this because I have a 12-inch MacBook, which is like the, the 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 in terms of performance and specs, the lowest spec MacBook you know today on the on the on the scale. Um, you make comp you make choices and compromises. The reason I have a 12-inch MacBook is portability. It's super thin and light. It is only uh, two pounds heavy, and it is got a Retina display, which is beautiful. And it, you know, one single USB port. A type C and a headphone jack. That's all you get. And you get, um, you know, you can spec it up pretty high. Mine is an eight gig of RAM, which is pretty decent for a Mac, eight gigs of RAM. And uh, it's got a 512 gig SSD. So, and mine is three and a half years old. So that's three and a half years ago. That was what I chose. And at the time it was already a little underpowered because the Core M processor, and they haven't really updated this machine. Um, the old Air was very outdated in terms of PC specs and everybody was expecting Apple to refresh it yesterday and they sure did and that's good news. But we weren't sure if they were going to refresh it or combine the two models in one, right? And we weren't sure if they were going to retire the Air, the Air brand because they reply, retired the iPod Air brand. So I thought personally they were going to make a hybrid mixture between the two in terms of design and specs and mm -hmm. that it was just going to be called MacBook and replace the one I have and have a slightly bigger screen. And so in a way, that's exactly what happened, but it didn't replace my Mac. It My Mac is still on the store available and it... But in terms of aesthetics and everything, it's exactly what I thought. And they didn't retire the Air brand. So the MacBook Air that was launched yesterday is basically much smaller, much thinner, much lighter than the previous MacBook Air 13. Still has a 13.3 inch screen, but much smaller bezels. It's now Retina, which is the big deal because all the old Airs were not Retina and it was, you really could see the pixels. It was really terrible. Mm -hmm. More importantly, it has an 8th gen uh, Intel processor in there, which means that performance-wise, it's not going to be a dog. So basically, my wish has been fulfilled. Oh, and it has two USB-C ports that are also Thunderbolt 3. So... My that's the that's really what I'm gonna up, upgrade to, and I'm the only concern I have is that the base SKU is eight gigabytes of RAM, which, as I said, is fine for a Mac, but one twenty eight gig of storage is a little low. That's eleven ninety nine. The old iPad started, uh, sorry, the old MacBook Air started at nine ninety nine, so two hundred dollars more. Um, and but you get a much better machine, honestly. So you know. Uh, again, don't look at Mac prices to compare them with PCs because the PC world is a different place and there's great PCs that cost a lot less and Chromebooks that cost even less. Um, but if you're a Mac user, um, I think the Air is going to be a killer. I think it's going to be super popular. I'm going to certainly upgrade to one as soon as I can afford it. And uh, I'm going to get one as 512 gigs. So I'm going to pay a little extra for storage because it's all soldered on, I think. Um, and there you go. That's in a nutshell what um, they announced yesterday in terms of MacBook. And I'm super there's stoked a, about it. There's a couple of things actually also with the MacBooks. There's the, the, uh, there's touch ID now All right. in the, in the yeah. power button. So they didn't do with the touch bar. Cause I'm not a big they fan of the touch bar. And uh -huh. so I'm glad they didn't do the touch bar and they put, but they put, they replaced the power button uh, with a touch ID sensor, which I think is also a power button. And that's actually a big, big deal because uh, I like the idea of being able to log in with my fingerprint uh, rather than typing in a password every time. Uh, and that's been resolved. So thanks for pointing that out. I kind of forgot, but it's definitely there. 
and uh, yeah. There's good also stuff. the uh, the third generation butterfly keyboard. Um, yeah, that do you was. Have any, do you have that any was opinions? on the. Uh, so I'm sorry? sorry. I was gonna say, do you have any opinions on the butterfly keyboard? Yeah, I mean, it's not my favorite. So I have the second generation butterfly keyboard on my MacBook, and honestly, that's the one that supposedly had problems. I haven't had any issues with mine in three and a half years. So that's and great. despite that's despite great. eating a lot of food while using my computer, so there's a lot of crumbs <laughs> getting in there, uh, and that's the the crumbs was the problem that was often killing those keyboards. Um, so I'm okay. Um, I have to say that it takes a bit of getting used to. Once you're used to it, you don't even think about it. It's, it honestly, I don't think it's a bad keyboard, but I have to admit, like Mate Ten, Pro, um, the MateBook Ten Pro. You know, the, the oh, sorry, MateBook X Pro, X Pro from uh, <laughs> Huawei or like some of the Dell laptops and HP laptops I've used or my favorite, the Chrome, um, the, the Pixel Book from, uh, from, from Google from last year. Mm -hmm. I have to admit those keyboards to me are way better. And I, I kind of regret that Apple has switched to this um, butterfly mechanism. Even though it makes the keyboards thinner, I don't think it's as good of a typing experience as before. And the third gen, I've, used it briefly is on the new MacBook Pros. It's also on the new MacBook Pros that were launched okay. about uh, six months ago, refreshed six months ago. It is definitely an improvement. Supposedly it's more dust resistant and they fix some of the issues of second gen. So, you know, I'm not going to be upset about it because I'm used to it. Um, mm -hmm. And they fix some of the reliability issues, but I, I do wish Apple would go back to more regular scissor keyboards uh, with a bit more key travel. So that that is, uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, there's also... Yeah, the keyboard, I mean, the keyboard experience is really important on a laptop. Um, but so but is I mean, the trackpad experience. And this has one of the biggest trackpads on any Mac. So, yes, you know, trackpad um, with force and, touch as and well. And it's force touch, like all the, my, my trackpad from my three and a half year old MacBook has force touch. And it is actually, my, my computer is the first one they, they, they launched that feature on. And honestly, it's as reliable today as it was day one. And it's kind of, honestly feels so great and it's adjustable you can adjust the level of haptic um i think very few companies do touchpads as well as apple trackpads and i think you know um nobody's done haptic touchpads yet so i mean the chrome the the pixel book that i love has you know basically a a, a a springboard kind of uh, trackpad, you know, where it's it's uh, the whole thing is clickable, but it's okay. But it's not. It's actually physically clicking, whereas it's not haptic. So, I mean, that's the best. The second best trackpad I've ever used is my Pixelbook, I would say, and some of the new, like the the Mate uh, Book 10 a uh, 10 Pro X Pro. Sorry, the Mate Book X Pro is got a really great trackpad as well for for a Windows machine. So, I mean, there are lots of Windows boxes out there, PCs that have great trackpads today. But nobody does, like, they all click physically. So nobody has done the haptic, which is really interesting to me that, you know, we're three and a half years into this haptic thing for Apple now, and we're not seeing PC makers do it yet. They probably don't, I mean, they don't see it. You don't way, need it. Honestly, you don't it. need it. Exactly. Like that's, it's like, you know, it doesn't bring anything other than the adjustability of the clicking. You could make it more clicky or less clicky in software. Other than that, it really doesn't bring much to the table. The only right? thing I can think of is just making that, making that pad thinner by not having it. It deep, is thinner. Yeah, it is definitely thinner. Press, yeah. So yeah, it's for the sake of components and, and, and it's and pressure space. sensitive. So on some apps, it gives you a better, like you can, uh, if you're scrolling, if you're clicking on a scroll bar, right? Uh -huh. If you, if you click harder, it scrolls faster. Oh, okay. Like you get some pressure sensitive features in there that are kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Um, so that could be a thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, some, some, some people like it because of that, but I honestly don't think that's a seller. Like to me, what 
is a, what the big revolution was with Apple was that they make trackpads really smooth and two finger scrolling really nice and all that stuff that we take for granted today they kind of invented the glass trackpad you know the that was finished in etching so that it feels really good to touch and the the click the clickiness being just right uh with the older trackpads that were physically clicking all of this the PC world has adopted now and perfected as well and i love that all PCs feel so good now because of it because you know for a long time there PC trackpads were such a mess oh, and man. if you were yeah. an apple user like it was just like night and day but now the 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 gap is much narrower like the uh, microsoft makes really great laptops the surface laptop and their trackpads are phenomenal as well so you know i think that it doesn't matter um but i'm kind of happy to see the size of that trackpad on the air i think it's a nice size trackpad Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Ooh. I'm seeing I'm seeing here that the highest spec MacBook Air is twenty six hundred dollars. Yeah. One point five terabytes of uh, storage, sixteen gigs of RAM, but the same uh, Core i five CPU. Yeah, I think it's a just higher clock rate. That's all. Okay. Okay. So they do raise the clock rate. Yes. Uh, I think it's like up to four gigahertz or something um in in its burst mode or whatever yeah i don't know exactly yeah. i haven't looked at the specs because i wouldn't spec one that high like i'd buy you'd buy a macbook pro <laughs> i that mean that's point. if you max it out completely you, you would buy a macbook pro but speaking of maxing out it we should wrap up but i want to talk about the one last thing they announced that i think is really significant which is not a mobile device but it's a significant thing i think because i have a thing for small computers the mac mini finally got a refresh and what a refresh it is. It's uh, it's not, the Mac Mini was always positioned as kind of like a switcher Mac. You know, if you're a PC user, you wanted to switch and you really wanted the cheapest Mac computer you could buy and you already had a keyboard and mouse because of your old PC, you could buy a Mac Mini for like $499 was the initial price on that thing and you had the Mac experience for $499, right? That was the thing like 10 years ago when it came out or more than 10 years ago. And now, you know, they let it kind of go stale, but they repositioned it at this event as kind of like a, a creative pro-ish device uh, yeah. because the specs go up to a, an eye-popping $4,199. You can mm -hmm. start at $799 for the base model and you can spec one out, get this, with like 64 gigs of RAM, uh, two terabytes of storage, uh, and like a six-core 8th-gen uh, non-mobile processor. It's like become a creator's dream come true and there's a lot of people who use these in rack mounts in server farms and etc cetera, etc cetera. they're really happy to finally get an updated machine so i just want to bring it out there i think it's pretty cool even the 799 model is going to be a killer because it, it's got an h gen core processor in there from intel that was that's not a mobile processor for once and it's got upgradeability is back the last mac mini they made was all soldered on the board like the like the the macbooks on the macbook it made sense because you want it thin and light but on a desktop machine, you want some upgradability. They have standard DIMM slots in there for upgrading the RAM, uh, a standard uh, uh, M2, whatever it is called, uh, socket for the SSD. So to me, that's that's huge. Like, I know it's not mobile, and I don't want to dwell on it, but what are your thoughts? This thing, yeah, this thing looks like it could be a small powerhouse. And, and I think that, you know, you know that a lot of people already use Mac specifically in audio uh audio technicians video um, stage, editing you know stage uh djing ed even editing yeah um you know to be able to bring this machine on mobile uh or to bring this machine with you you know to 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 get your full desktop with you um and i think yeah because like you said the, the first mac mini was more aimed at what you know getting this is the cheap way to get a mac you know correct 
Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's not the same now. It's a different positioning of the Mac Mini. It's and it's more. It's more like a versatile mini computer. Like, like I'm just repeating myself now. But no, you're but, right. Uh, and and I think you know the form factor is really nice. It's small. It's got no power brick. Like it plugs directly into the wall. It's got mm -hmm. gigabit. And in, in fact, the higher end model has 10 gigabit Ethernet. Like yeah, you know. I mean, you're talking some crazy features. It's got four Thunderbolt three USB C ports in the back. Four, and it's got two USB A three point whatever zero ports and then it has hdmi and then you get gigabit ethernet or 10 gigabit ethernet like the ports on that thing are bonkers and this is exactly actually, what creative people want there's you even an audio this, jack on it yeah you could stick this <laughs> in your backpack find a monitor and keyboard somewhere and you've got like something that blows away a macbook pro basically in your pocket and it's quiet and it's and it doesn't get too hot you can plug like a disc array like a a, a, a thunderbolt uh you know raid array to it for video editing. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's a freaking serious thing, you know? Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and remember, you can run Windows on any Mac. Remember that, folks, right? Like, that's the other thing. Like, I like Windows 10. I use, I have a bunch of Windows 10 boxes. I'm not like all Mac all the time. I just like the Mac OS because it's based on Unix and I'm a big, you know, I'm a former developer. I used to make video games and I used to work on a lot of different OSs and platforms. I didn't know and that. That's, that's yeah, yeah. I learning something from games. you here on the podcast. I, yeah, I worked on video <laughs> games for 15 years as a developer. Wow. So for me, I like the having the command line, having like Unix under the box and on under the under you know under the covers and and so that's why I like Mac OS. But um I'm also a big fan of Windows. I think Windows 10 is really great and it's come a long way and I, I Microsoft's done some really good work and I could totally live with the Windows box as my daily machine. So you know don't 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 call me a hater uh and don't don't pigeonhole me, right? Like I'm again I'm not an iOS fan but I'm a Mac fan. It's weird. Um <laughs> anyway well, listen, we should wrap it up. I want you to take a few minutes to, or whatever time you want, to tell people where they can find your work on the internet, where they can find you on social, all that good stuff. Um, sure. Yeah. So, um, well, I work for gsmarina.com. So over at gsmarina.com, if you don't know already, we do uh, keep the most extensive um, database of phone specs. You guys save my life all the time. Like to give you an example, <laughs> when I do a phone review, like an unboxing, I don't know the specs by heart. I just go to GSM Arena and I look it up and I'm like, oh, there it is. Ricky says this. Good to go. Well, for the record, I don't say it. I don't know. No, I know you don't. I'm just saying it sounds good, right? <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, I use, I, I myself, GSM Marina, work for GSM Arena. I use GSM Arena as well. Um, so yeah, so we have our specs there. We also do have news there. I write news um, almost every day. And um, our YouTube channel as well at GSM Arena, uh, where we do we do reviews of the phones as well. And then we have our very extensive, comprehensive written reviews on our website as well. Um, but um, a lot of the videos that I do are mostly hands-on at events. So if you find me on YouTube, you can see me there doing hands-on with some of the other phones that we've seen earlier this year. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Uh, right now I'm working on the Mate 20 Pro video review. So that will be out hopefully by this weekend. Um, uh -huh. It's been taking me a little bit longer than usual. Um, just with all the traveling and, and other stuff I had to do. Yeah, it's been crazy. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm also on Twitter and I'm on Instagram at RickyVTech. That's Ricky V-T-E-C-H. Um, and uh, yeah, come... Come hang out, come uh, leave comments, you know, whatever. I'm down to talk to people, have a conversation, ask me questions, you know, anything. Um, what else? 
and um, Instagram. Instagram, yeah, it's the same, same, same handle. Same as your Twitter and, and Twitter, cool. yes, yeah, there same you thing. All right. Well, before I tell you where you can find me, and you most of you know, uh, let me quickly plug our sponsor, Audible. So Audible is really the place to go if you like audiobooks. And, you know, people say, well, why would I listen to audiobooks when I can read a book? You know, and I'm like, yeah, some situations where you can't read a book. You are driving a car. You are a security guard working a night shift. Whatever it is, Audible's got you covered. And I really think it's a great platform. If you haven't already joined and become a member, you have a great opportunity to do that on the podcast. Uh, there's going to be a link in the show notes, and I'm going to share that link with you right now here. If you uh, follow through that link, you can become an Audible subscriber, and you will help the podcast in the process. Uh, the link is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And remember, audible.com, it's your source for all audiobooks, and I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. Um, you guys know. You folks, everyone, know where to find me. I'm Tanker on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Tanker, but drop the vowels. Back in the 90s, I came up with that handle because somebody else had written out the full name and I was like, damn it. So I, I kind of invented <laughs> the Flickr without, you know, without the vowel thing before Flickr did. I'm proud of myself for that. Um, that's also my Instagram handle. And uh, I make videos on YouTube just for fun to kind of complement the podcast so you can see the devices I talk about. If you want to see OnePlus 6T up close and personal, watch my uh, unboxing, which will be linked in the show notes. Um, the channel is youtube.com slash Miriam That's my full name spelled out, Miriam with a Y. And uh, finally... You can also subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, mobiletechpodcast.com. Uh, I'm on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts, Overcast, uh, Stitcher, Slacker, TuneIn Radio. Basically everywhere, just Google for Mobile Tech Podcast or uh, search for that. And if you can't find it because there's a lot of uh, keyword that it touches, maybe add Tinkerl to that, my handle, TNKGRL, and you'll definitely find me then. Ricky, thanks for being on the show. That was super awesome. We had a good time. Damn girl, you're all over with the podcast. <laughs> on I know, in, right? On, on, on Pocket Casts and everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta promote yourself. That's how it goes. You gotta cover all the But bases. now you know what it's like. It's very casual. We have a fun conversation. Yeah. We get distracted in tangents, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it's good time. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, uh, Miriam, for having me on the show. It was great. I had a great time. Absolutely. And we'll get you back on sometime in the next year or so. And uh stay tuned for another show next week, folks. All right. I'll talk to you later. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.